listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey, what are five big reveals hiding in plain sight? The Secret Lives of Pharmacists. Let's talk about that. Like, this whole podcast network is dedicated to pharmacists and what you do uh, day after day and not only saving lives and keeping your, your patients safe in your hospitals and your community pharmacies and long-term care and specialty. But I run into some amazing pharmacists who are not only um, specialists, informatic pharmacists, for example, um, but people get it because they worked the bench they understand pharmacy from the community perspective or working in um in an institutional uh, perspective but heidi pollock is a special uh reoccurring guest of the pharmacy podcast network so i'm excited to welcome back heidi pollock of doctor first and there was a blog that she wrote that we're going to be talking about today called the secret lives of pharmacists five big reveals hiding in place site heidi Welcome back to the Pharmacy Podcast. Todd, thank you so much. I have such a great time every time you invite me to this podcast. But, you know, I was thinking it was, I was talking internally uh, with people and I always talk about pharmacists and what people think about us. So I am a third generation pharmacist. My grandfather, my aunt and uncle had pharmacies in rural Pennsylvania. And I was a bench pharmacist for the majority of my career. So I'm always thinking about what do people think when I say I'm a pharmacist? And I bet if we asked people to close their eyes and say, what do you see when you see a pharmacist? Most of them, probably nine out of 10 are gonna say, you're standing behind a counter in a white coat. We do so much more than that, so much more. And that's what I wanna talk about with you today. I like that you broke it down into you know, five big reveals. And there's probably some ideas that you had around um, coming up with what those five aspects of being a pharmacist hiding in plain sight that really your your patient doesn't understand. Imagine, imagine having a supportive relationship with your patient and you're using um, um, telehealth to talk with them and you're not physically with them, but you can see them and they can hear you and they can see your voice inflection. There's still some mysteries to demystifying what in the world does a pharmacist actually do. So let's go through these and let's go through this blog. By the way, um, for listeners, the link to this blog will be um, in the show notes. So don't worry if you're driving or you're worried um, that you're you're missing out on the written uh, version of this. We will actually um, publish this in the show notes. But let's go through this. So pharmacists are prescribers now, and there's no going back. What, what did you mean by that? Well, I think for the most part, for the majority of the pharmacists, you know, evolution, 
We were the people that put pills in a bottle, handed them to you over a counter, and we can do so much more than that. Thankfully, uh, the education level that we have today, the legislation that is uh, ever-changing, which is fantastic, is expanded what we can do. I'm not sure that people are aware that we can actually triage patients in quite a few states, uh, actually a majority of the states across the country. You can walk in and you can see us and talk to us about pink eye and ear infection, you need a refill on your asthma inhaler, um, you know, a urinary tract infection, just little simple things like that. I don't think people realize that they can see a pharmacist for a medical condition and that we can actually prescribe something for you and then you can walk out of the pharmacy. So, um, you know, we're, we're not taking the place of a doctor. We still have to tell the doctor that we saw you and prescribed this for you. We're not doing this in a, in a silo, uh, but it's convenient because I read a recent statistic that was very shocking. 25% of Americans do not have a primary care provider. So they're either going to an ER or an urgent care, all of those places very overloaded today. Um, and 90% of people live within five miles of a pharmacy. So there we are, we're on all the corners of all the neighborhoods. So why not stop in and see a pharmacist where you can, varies by state, uh, but pop in, ask the pharmacist what they can do for you as it relates to uh, helping you when there's a primary care gap. So I like the next one that you talk about because it even ties into the to the to the second one. Because the the points that you were making was pharmacists are not who you think they are, and we've kind of already kind of staged that in in our opening discussion. Then we started talking about pharmacists or prescribers. Now there's no going back, and a component of that are these specialties. So for example, there are pharmacists out there who are specialists in cancer medications or um, smoking sensation or weight loss or um, birth control and women's health services. Right. And that's one of the, the points that you made in the blog is, is contraception in 20 states is now able to be prescribed by a pharmacist who understands you as a patient, understands you know your background and, and you, you give them some of your medical history and things that that naturally um, doctors normally always do. But in, in that component, in that control controlled environment, contraceptives, and then also smoking sensation. Are there any other other things that kind of pop up in your mind that, that pharmacists are doing throughout the country that, that people may not realize? Absolutely. I have friends that went through board certifications in geriatrics. So they're still standing behind a pharmacy counter uh, where they're much needed, but now they have that specialty of having a deeper understanding of geriatric medicine and care, which we have an aging population, so much needed. Oncology pharmacists, I'm following pharmacists on social media that have started pediatric pharmacy practices, you know, um, taking care of an infant is so specialized. So pharmacists are going out and they're getting additional certifications and medical knowledge to really hone in on how to take care of very specific populations. There's 49,000 pharmacists doing this. So we're everywhere and you don't know it. Heidi, I am giving, because you know me and my obsession with pharmacists, I'm giving a shout out to uh, Dr. Uh, Chung, who is our pediatrician review pharmacist that builds out content specifically for pediatrician um, settings, uh, pediatric settings. And then uh, Dr. Jenna Quinn, um, she is also a pediatrician focused 
pharmacist, and she has an entire program that talks about building out your practice as a pharmacist in focusing on pediatrics. So that is so exciting. I love it's it. very exciting, very exciting for me. Um, but we're also hiding in pharma companies, uh, pharma marketing, but more importantly, pharma medical affairs. I have several friends and colleagues that I used to work with who actually are the leaders of the medical affairs division of pharma companies. So again, hiding where you don't even know it. There's 49,000 plus pharmacists in the United States of our 310 thousand active pharmacists in the United States. So I can't do the math because I'm horrible but, but with percentages, but 50,000 of 300,000. Yeah. That's a lot of pharmacists that have board certifications and being able yeah. to take up the level of their own certification, the specialty that they're digging down into. I see other specialties coming to the marketplace and I'm not sure if they'll ever do certifications for them, but I think there's ones coming for pharmacogenomics. Yep. There's one coming for artificial intelligence leverage and using for treatment protocols. There's ones coming for digital therapeutic management and being able to take a digital software as a prescription and then managing the outcomes data uh, of that stuff. So what other specialities do you see on the horizon that you could see kind of folded back into what we call our board certified pharmacists? You know, one area that I'm seeing on the rise is health and wellness and sports medicine. Oh, yeah. Uh, there are a lot of pharmacists, especially down in the state of Florida. Baptist Health South Florida has just been announcing the hirings of uh, multiple pharmacists in the health and wellness category. They work very closely uh, with professional sports teams. Um, I mean, we read about it all the time, especially when the Olympics are happening, you know, athlete from such and such a country, you know, found to be doping. Well, they, in most cases, I think a lot of times they didn't mean to do it. Right. Like there are so many reactions that simple cough and cold medicines, herbal supplements, if they're tainted, can turn out and, and give a positive you know, urine test result, which is devastating to these athletes. Yes. So having pharmacists on sports teams. We can help prevent that. We can steer them towards, um, you know, therapies that will not cause them to have these positive urine tests. Excellent. A shout out to Dr. Brandon Welsh. Uh, Dr. Brandon Welsh is in South Florida and he just released a sports magazine. I can't remember what the name of it, but it's the pharmacist sportsmanship or sportsmanship pharmacist. Or anyway, if you Google Brandon Welsh sports pharmacist, you'll definitely find it. Um, but that is a, that is a testimony to exactly what you're saying, Heidi. There are specialties coming out. I want to encourage pharmacists listening to this podcast and reading um, Heidi's um, blog as a follow-up that you have an opportunity to do things in healthcare as a pharmacist that has never been done before. Right. And there's ways of proving it and based on what is evidence-based and based on what your passion is and then being able to combine those two things and then reaching out to organizations that help you certify and build that into a repeatable course. Cause don't pharmacists don't keep it to yourself. Like right. let's get it out there. And, you know, 10 years from now prescribing that medication is the, you know, the, the primary, you know, job of our, of our physicians, but the execution of that prescription 
shouldn't that shouldn't be the 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 sole purpose of our pharmacist in dispensing like forget i mean no don't forget dispensing it's a part of it but it's going to flip flop instead of it being you know 80% dispensing and and 20% di, um you know treatment protocol build out and and outcomes assurance it's going to flip flop and you're going to have pharmacists that are in, still involved in the in the dispensing but really they're driving the actual care of the patient based on the minute adjustments that they're going to drop in with you know microdosing and and CBD topicals for pain management and um you know and di diagnostics through uh, blood testing and diagnostics through PGX and all of this that could become sharp tools for the um the aggressive pharmacist out there that that wants to keep pushing and 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 growing their PharmD in the way that they want to see it and and the reason is is because when i come to work if you can't already tell heidi i am so excited to be here like this fires me up to be um a podcaster all about the profession and the the evidence of what pharmacists are doing for healthcare and for our world pharmacists are getting burnt out and part of the reason that they're getting burnt out heidi is because they are not on fire for what they do because it's not touching their souls. It's not reaching in and making them want to go to work every day and want to, you know, do something that they're passionate about. So talk to us about pharmacists getting burnout. Well, you know, in my opinion, burnout is not new. So I've been a pharmacist for over 30 years and I've gone through periods of burnout because of just that, that day-to-day -day just doing that rote, putting pills in a bottle, it's not what we went to school for. It's not what we're educated for. We are more than that. Our technicians are more than that. The industry of pharmacy, the profession of pharmacy is more than that. Um, even when my grandfather did it, he was more than that, right? And, and this is back in the, the 40s, 50s, and 60s. So um, we just lose our drive. You know, you just doing that same thing over and over that repetitiveness, anybody in any job is going to burn out, but it's more so today because the profession of pharmacy has been so focused on that task oriented, put the pills in a bottle, put a shot in an arm, get them out the door. And seeing pharmacists today develop these new business models, these clinically serviceable businesses is what's, you know, that's what fires me up. So you get fired up for your podcast. I get fired up just reading about all these pharmacists doing it. And, you know, my goal here at Dr. First is to get them things, solutions that can help them do those services, right? It's so important that we don't stop this progression that we're seeing. In the 30 years that I've been a pharmacist, I've seen tremendous change in what we can do. Um, and it's just, it's growing by the day. So I encourage everyone to don't, don't stay in that comfort zone. Um, it's as simple as taking something you love in your life, I'm a runner. I love to run. When I don't run, I'm not happy. When I run, I'm happy. Take that knowledge of a, a hobby that you have 
and transition that into some sort of clinical service, right? I used to talk to people about running and, you know, I, I worked with a physical therapist. I wasn't again doing this in a vacuum, but I used the combination of the knowledge he imparted to me to help me fix my broken running legs, um, my, you know, clinical background in pharmacy and medicine. And, and I would use that information to talk to a patient about that. So heck, if I wanted to, I could probably build a business around that, right? Again, we've talked about uh, pharmacists that are building these pediatric um, practices. You know, you can do geriatrics, you can do all kinds of things. So find something that you love and turn it into a clinical business. There's no reason you can't do that. So that will refresh you and reinvigorate you. Um, and if you do, you know, stay behind the counter, just find ways to get that passion back. Work with your organization to understand what they're doing with you to provide you the opportunity to be the clinician that you are trained to be. You know, if I go to the the top of this blog that you wrote, Heidi, and it says pharmacists are not who you think they are, which was one of the first five big reveals hiding in plain sight. I want to insert the word doctor first is not who you think they are, because you probably put them in a in a little bubble of what you think doctor first is. But my goodness, there's so much more to what you're doing for your specific clients, Heidi, and what you bring to the table that kind of melds it to the world of um, data management and income outcomes intelligence and and everything that kind of ties back. And I kind of wanted to um, to talk about artificial intelligence and how you see that becoming a tool that is a not, it, there's no way it's replacing. What it is, it's going to help us come out with better data as we as we move from one portion of treatment to the next, you know, I, I've, I've even seen it work where you have titration happening from one medication level to the next. Uh, there's too many jack inhibitors to talk about, but imagine artificial intelligence watching the outcomes of thousands and thousands of people and cataloging all of that and being able to say, I have a similar patient that is the similar weight, the similar makeup, the nutraceutical diagram that we have, the pharmacogenomics information that we have, it's very close to this patient to, you know, one hundredth of a percent or whatever the AI decides. But the AI gets to move ahead and say, so in this, this is the best way to use cholesterol or this is the best way to manage diabetes. All of that can be controlled, not controlled, but could be an analysis tool um, for our pharmacists. So talk to our listeners a little bit about what you think artificial intelligence could be doing. What artificial intelligence does is it, it, it just looks at massive amounts of data um, and it monitors that for statistical significance of things, right? So the, the artificial intelligence we have here um, helps to translate um, information across computer systems that don't speak the same language. You know, think of you and I trying to speak and, and Todd, you only understand Spanish and I only understand uh, English. Well, thankfully, there are translation apps that can help us talk to each other. We need the same thing for computer systems. Computer systems don't talk the same language. But what our, intel our artificial intelligence does is it watches the transactions on both sides, and it can help translate them you know, from one system to the next. And what that does, it just informs me. It gives me 
a statistically significant correct answer. I still need to validate it, right? Um, I think back to the time where I was standing behind the counter and, you know, punching in or having my technician punch in hundreds of prescription directions a day, right? We all get tired. We all get distracted. We all get in a rut. And every single one of us, I don't care who you are, you will unfortunately make a mistake someday in your career. Artificial intelligence is there to help you not make those mistakes as often, okay? That's what's important is just, you know, being confident in the information that you're getting. And, and that's what the artificial intelligence does in a lot of these clinical, um, you know, care platforms as well. It's, it's not giving you one way to treat somebody's cardiac event. It's giving you the most statistically effective one, you know, but it will offer you options and you, the clinician, get to decide which one to pick. So same thing with our intelligence. We offer you an answer, but we, we allow you to accept or reject that answer. And it's helping pharmacies today, um, you know, make sure that they're selecting the correct drug, the correct directions when they're filling prescriptions. And it's been really neat because again, not a career I ever envisioned myself being on. When I graduated pharmacy school, I don't even think AI was you know, a thing. Uh, so to be working on it, it's really fantastic. But you know, a career, I don't think people would picture a pharmacist doing. Yep. And Good we have point. three pharmacists on our AI team. That's incredible. Yeah, I have some follow-up um, interviews that I'm going to have uh, your team um, help me with because there's a whole artificial intelligence and clinical trials uh, topic, which we'd like to dig into and talk about. So um, be on the lookout for other things coming up from Dr. First and the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And if you're listening and you have other ideas, please reach out to um, Heidi Pollack and the Dr. First team. Um, in the show notes, I will have the link to this blog. Um, Heidi, we'd like to share um, maybe a way to get a hold of you as well. If there's a place on the website or an email address, um, we'd like to embed that on the uh, show notes as well. Sure, absolutely. You can reach me at H-P-O-L-E-K at drfirst.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. So you'll find me on LinkedIn as well if you want to uh, connect and message me there. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Heidi. It's always a fun time talking with you and, and really sharing with our listeners what's new, um, not only from your um, journeys through healthcare and, and being a pharmacist that's tapped into, you know, innovative ways of, of leveraging technology to help um, with better outcomes for our patients. But you as a person, you're, you're such a warm person. I love seeing you at conferences, your, your smile brightens up the room. Um, always get a hug from you and can't wait to the to see you at Vive, I think is the next one we'll be at together, right? Okay, we will check it out. And, and I said the same thing before um, you joined the call. I was talking to Caitlin and I said the same thing. I just love meeting up with you. Your passion for pharmacy is second to none. And, uh, you know, we truly, at least I truly appreciate, and I'm sure the rest of the industry truly appreciates how you help us get the word out 
about all the amazing things that pharmacists do today. We are a part of the care team. Uh, there's so much, you know, you put pharmacists and doctors together. Yeah. That's like the dream team of healthcare, yeah. you know. Um, and Dr. First does that. We've got doctors, nurses, pharmacists. We bring clinicians into this business because uh, there's no better insight than having clinicians build solutions for clinicians. I have to say this. I think of the healthcare team, the winning team. I'm a football guy, but I always think of the physician as the quarterback mm -hmm. and the wide receivers are the pharmacist or the running back is the pharmacist and the you know tight ends is the um nurses and the right. and the front line the defensive you know is our is our also our nurses cuz they're defending right you know, the care level and, and assuring that we're getting the ball up. The, the ball is the treatment. And it's just like, I love football. By the way, I'm going to my first bowl game ever, NCAA bowl game. My um, godson, Jelani Stafford, number 97 with UConn. Go UConn Huskies. Ho, ho, ho. UConn Huskies um, are playing in a bowl game against um, Marshall. And that's going to be on December 19th. So. Oh, I will watch and I will root for UConn. UConn, go UConn. I yeah. just went up to UConn. Um, a shout out to UConn. Uh, we just went to UConn's pharmacy school and we got to meet with uh, Dean um, and we got to talk about uh, pharmacy school stuff as well and how podcasting is going to become much more of a big usage tool mm -hmm. and learning tool in pharmacy schools. And pharmacy schools are finally starting to pick up on, wow, we can have pharmacy students record review sessions so that you're mm -hmm. getting used to collaborating with each other so that later in life you can continue to use audio as a supplement to learning so absolutely i'm trying to learn a foreign language and i use uh, a foreign language podcast it's great it's it's got the english there's an english speaker that kind of sets up the scenario and then the rest of the conversation is in spanish and it's very helpful so mm -hmm. podcast is a great way to learn so if you're not listening to podcasts you better start now subscribe to the pharmacy podcast network we have 42 podcasts that we have and we market we push out there amazing heidi can't wait to have you back and um, thank you so much um, for being part of this and, and for helping us to put this episode together thank you again and we'll talk soon we'll see you we love you pharmacists and everything that you do pharmacy technicians you are the right hand we appreciate what you do and um, once again thank you so much for listening to the pharmacy podcast network Thank you.